Why, hello there. If you don't already recognize my sultry voice, this is DJ Art of the High Score 510 Podcast. First of all, I would like to thank you for listening to our show. Second of all, I want to remind you with a shameless plug of our Patreon page. Join our growing community and help support an indie podcast. The perks of being a patron, you ask? Number one, you'll get our weekly quick hitters. Number two, you'll get feature conversations that are too hot for our regular show. And number three, we cannot leave out number three. Why, Jesus, we'll bless you. So go check out patreon.com backslash highscore510. And for the price of a tall pumpkin spice latte, you can help AG3 afford his Peloton subscription. Regardless of which, we appreciate your support and hope you enjoy the show. You are listening to Highscore 510. We're real talk. You know what? Thank God my dad had some pool and we went to the morning service and then Sunday school. And after Sunday school, we had to be home to watch football and basketball. Thank God my dad had that much. And my mom went home and we made some grits. Also, my mom made grits. But it, it, let me tell you this. If I would have, if someone would have gave me a sample of brunch back then when I was younger, I'll be, I'll, let me tell you what I'll be on Sunday. I'll be with little Nas X putting on my uh, Air Max 97s and going to get brunch. Air, Air showed and, and getting up. lap dances from whoever. Air moved away from home and didn't have to worry about uh, missing brunch. Or didn't have to worry about missing brunch because of church and was like, I am delivered. Exactly. I'm yelling like him. I can, no, that, no, that's the prodigal son. See, he went back thinking he had brunch. He promised he already had his brunch with Lil Nas X. And now he, he, he feeling bad. He trying to repent in church. I'm trying to get my brunches with Lil Nas X. <laughs> In sports news, Michael B. Jordan said Sylvester Stallone won't be in the next Creed 3 movie because the franchise is moving on. No, no, it says moving forward. It don't say moving on. Moving forward. forward. Aaron, tell us, how did this conversation go? Hold on, hold on. What what, would Michael B. Jordan do? Michael B. Jordan is moving the Creed franchise forward without Sylvester Stallone, who will be there, who will not be there to train him, make him vomit, or do other masculine things without a shirt on. AG3, what will Michael B. Jordan do? Hey, Sylvester Rocky, I'm gonna take this franchise off your hands. <laughs> We're gonna move it forward by taking three steps backwards for every one step we take forward. Why can't we just move the franchise? Just, just kill the franchise. <laughs> this is studio company greed. It reminds me of the original First Blood. Not Rambo, because the original name of the movie was First Blood. The original ending, which they had a two, dual endings back, they, they, they take two endings, was Stallone killed himself. Spoiler alert for anybody that ain't seen a movie that's almost damn near 40 years old. Uh, he, he does this great speech and then he kills himself. That's the perfect ending. He had to film it twice because the studio didn't want it, even though they didn't think it would have a, a, a sequel. Because the first one isn't about like all this muscles and Stallone doing all this crazy shit. It's realistic. And they were like, nah, nah, we can't have him dead. We'll have him get arrested at the end. 
And it would have been such, it was so poignant if he killed himself because it was about him being, you know, returning back from Vietnam War and losing part of himself over there and the nation not wanting him back and how he was treated in some small ass hick town and stuff like that. And so that's, is, you know, it reminds me of what we talked about first with the animal mixing the DNA and the organs. People don't want to die, right? Like, it's okay, it's nature. It is part of nature. We live, we breathe, we die. It's sad when it happens to people too soon or unnatural or way early. But it, things like movies, this is the thing we should be killing, right? All right, you had Creed. It was successful. It was, it was I guess you can say good. Then you had Creed <laughs> too. It was, it made money. Now stop there. <laughs> and now we're on Creed 3. You know what? We might as well just have a Fruitvale Station 2 while we at it. <laughs> a Fruitvale Station 2. And just, that's what we might as well do. You know what? If they if they bring in, they're going to have to really, to replace the rest of Stallone, they're going to have to bring in uh, a buxom woman with, with big breasts. Because they're going to have to push the story somehow. Michael B. Jordan, I don't think he can carry the story himself. Is he going to be over there training somebody? Be like, no, 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 give me them gloves. I'm gonna take the gloves off your hands. Stallone probably left because he's like, man, I, I, hey, man, this movie making me look old. I gotta go star in these other franchises where I still act like I'm an action star. Yeah, I like, well, be with a bunch of other washed up old motherfuckers, and we can all be equal. I, I, exactly. I bring in another seventy year old Arnold Schwarzenegger. We just make an action movie. Uh, Stallone came out with this comment uh, when he saw the article. So what did I miss? What did I miss? Yeah, he did not know he was broadsided by that. But anyways, uh, Creed 3 should be a shit show in three quarters. Excited to see it. Um, yeah. Hey, Keegan, Keegan, you like Creed 2? I can't remember watching it. <laughs> Pedro, are you watching Creed 3 without Sylvester Stallone, or are you good with it? Um, I'm probably not watching. Yeah, I'm not watching Creed 3. I haven't watched any many movies, anyways. But yeah, Creed, Creed three. After I actually enjoyed Creed one. I know Aaron mad at me about saying this. Well, it had Creed some entertainment fun. value. Yeah, right? but I enjoyed it. Didn't make it. sense, but it had some entertainment value. I actually enjoyed it. That was the first time I, I went to one of them theaters with the reclining chairs and everything. So I was relaxed. Maybe that was the the whole ambiance was the thing, and I wasn't really. I was. It was tricked by my comfort. And not really paying attention to Michael B. Jordan's acting, but Creed Two, it basically Creed Two and Black Panther uh, made me agree with Aaron, and which I don't do that often. I thought you were gonna say you don't do enough. <laughs> you know what? I'll see Creed Three just to piss off Aaron. Oh, you can see it on you. As long as you ain't spending my money on it. I see. Spend his money on it. Spend yep. his money on it. Hey. Hey, Aaron, since you didn't give me nothing for my birthday, I want to go see Creed 3 with you. Thank you. Oh, that's, that's, there you go. That's, right. yeah, that, that, that's it. Yeah. That, that's that's the birthday wish, Aaron. A drink. I bought him a drink, man. That counts. Something. <laughs> but nah. No. Uh, if we go see Creed 3, I guarantee you, we could go to the movie theater to watch it, but I'm going to pay for another movie and then we could we'll walk in. <laughs> you know what? The drink that Aaron paid for was called Hot Chocolate. Aaron going to buy a Space Jam 2 tickets and we'll sneak in. I'll, 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 I'll be like, hey, man, what's, what's, the, what's the independent film you got here? Give me two to that. And then we're going to walk straight into Creed 3. And I will promptly go to sleep. <laughs> Are you ready to start the show? Did it start already? Yeah, we're going to start the show. Let's start the show. All right. Armin, I need a letter. Uh, L. L. Okay. 
Uh, uh, A. No, no, I'm, I'll do L. Logmire, Lakeview. Longmire, I've seen that on Netflix. I've never watched yeah, it though. Me neither. Litigious, languishing. I always love to say this one Lupita Nyongo. <laughs> Lupita Nyongo. Ludwig. Ludwig, yes, it's a good one. Lionel Richie. <laughs> Lionel <laughs> Richie. <laughs> you see that, that cornball brother on, uh, on American Idol? He'd be over there like, oh, I like this. Yeah, sing that. Ooh. <laughs> Dude, you got to see him good. He gets juice. You're like, oh, yeah, snap to that. <laughs> do this. I was like, this dude is a cornball brother. Aaron, you want to talk about a cornball brother? Lionel Richie. You know what? He he was from Alabama though. He he all that started once he got to California. Well, he was in Alabama. Like if you notice when he sang with the Commodores, he had that country twang still in his voice. I'll tell you this. At least he was no... playing to see that a small town boy like me just wasn't your cup of tea. It was wishful thinking. See, that's that country swing. Then all of a sudden he gets by himself and living in California for too long and it's hello. <laughs> Is it me? You yeah. <laughs> can see it in your eyes. I can see it in your eyes. At least he's not uh, your boy Herschel Walker type of Negro. Hey, he gonna be the next black next black GOP Senator Herschel Walker. Yeah. I'm trying to start a new party called the Grand O Idiots. I'm gonna restart the Dixiecrats, but it's gonna be all black black politicians from the South who just normally will be in the GOP. But don't he have a split personality disorder? If, it's, if the split personalities is, is being him and his son being idiots, I agree. <laughs> who has split personality disorder? Herschel Walker. Racism don't Herschel exist. Walker. Yeah, uh, that he, he might got, he, he want to go field Negro on, on the field, and he wanna, like well, I guess he's staying consistent, and he will be house Negro when he's in the house. He need he got, more CTE. He got a disassociative identity disorder. It's like, hey, man. maybe that's why his son is so damn crazy, too. Maybe that's what happened, because he, he played football, got CTE, then went to UFC and got the CTE knocked back out of him. And now, now he's just an idiot. Okay, enough of this black supremacy talk. <laughs> oh, God, you going to play it for us, Jerry? <laughs> God. This looks like it's going to be interesting. Is that Hirsch? Yeah, that's Hirsch. Hirsch. Hirsch got a huge house. Uh, see, Herschel Walker going to see spiral, here. A spiral staircase baller, though. Also, uh, a big fire fire going on in the background. And he talking about, oh, yeah, we don't need reparations, even though I got this mansion I'm living in. Black people don't need reparations as I speak from the spiral, st from from, from the, uh, what is it, the foyer with a spiral staircase and a hanging uh, ceiling lamp. That's probably cost about $10,000. Hey, look, him towing the line is paying for that. That's why he's so upset at you, Negroes. <laughs> Y'all gonna make me pick a side. I don't want to pick a side. Uh, here we go. Here's Herschel Walker talking about reparations. Black and white teams has become a hot speaker on reparation, which has been spoken about many times over my lifetime. But over the past year, has become a hot topic. I asked the question why. There's been many surveys show that a large percentage of black and white teams would say racism is better today than yesterday. We, as, we use black power to create white guilt. My approach is biblical. How can I ask my heavenly father to forgive me if I can't forgive my brother? I never want to put anyone's re religion down, but my religion teach togetherness. Reparation teach separation. Slavery mm -hmm. ended over 130 years ago. Back. 
many have died trying to get into America. No one is dying trying to get out. Reparation, <laughs> where would the money come from? Does it come for all the other races except the blight's taxpayers? Who is blight? What percentage of blight must you be to receive reparation? Do blight? you go to 23andMe Blake. or DNA test to determine the percentage of blackness? Some what? white immigrants weren't here during slavery, nor their ancestors. Who's the white woman Some in the background by the fire? Slavery. Stated I don't know, but she's beautiful. Black, white, and today Latino, Asian, Italian, etc. should be guaranteed the alienability rights of life, freedom, <laughs> and the pursuit of happiness. Years later, after slavery ended, Dr. King, I have a dream speech, mm. said, the sign, the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation was a great beacon of light. But hundreds of years later, we're still not free because of segregation and discrimination. Today, I call that reparation. If you give a man a fish, you feed him a day. You teach him to fish, you feed him a lifetime. Black Americans asking for a hand up, not a hand out. Another big question, who is the guilty party? Should we start at the beginning where African Americans sold your, the African American ancestors into slavery right and to a slave trader who eventually sold the African American ancestors to slave owners? The slave owners who had no success and no luck trying to make a Native American who land they took become their slave because the Native American ran away. Well, they thought it was fine then. I got to stop there. There's so many things wrong with everything what was he that, said. Man? I think Stephen Miller. I think Stephen Miller wrote that essay for him, and he's like, "Read this, nigga." And he's like, "Uh, okay, emancipation, uh, blick." It's like, bro, are you from South Africa? But you blick. <laughs> The first thing he said was that <laughs> he took a survey of black and white teens and they said that it's less racist now than it was back then. <laughs> like, why the what? fuck are we interviewing teens? Teens about my cinnamon challenge. I'm just seeing this. He tested this is a he's testifying in Congress. <laughs> testifying <laughs> against the against who, the reparations. Who is he bill. testifying to? Who against, is there? Why isn't anybody who is he gets, like, he, he gets who, a certain amount of minutes to speak, so like he goes uninterrupted. Steve Cohen said something though, so I think he interrupted a little bit. This sounds like it was on like on Zoom, and they needed to I mean, mute his. They need to mute him. Like, all right, we're done. We're done here. Who's going to? Good to too, man. Like Herschel Walker, man, you look great. You're in great shape, dog. Why are you? Why are you being a hater? That's that. That's <laughs> that Georgia University education right there, <laughs> bruh, bruh. The killer to me is that he tried to break down why slavery worked with black people because originally it didn't work with uh, the Native Americans. Oh, wait a minute. So you're you're doubling down that these motherfuckers were just trying to enslave people. <laughs> They but, ran away. But the only reason why they couldn't <laughs> enslave the Native Americans is because they ran away. Like, nigga, it's like, how wrong can you be? <laughs> they ran away to them reservations. They said, we'll just take this part of land. Y'all can have a rest. <laughs> they gave them those reservations much later. They didn't run away. They got killed off. And those that were left, they're like, oh, don't worry. We know what realize we fucked up. So we're going we want to look better. We got this great piece of land out in the middle of nowhere that's dry as hell. Since you guys are good at living off the land, we'll give you this dusted all limestone plate and call it a reservation. We'll, we'll give you red clay and see you grow any crops out there. <laughs> hey, they would have been happy to at least get red clay. They're like,
like, hey, man, can we at least get the red clay? <laughs> I babysat Donald Trump Jr. at the football games. He's like, can you believe that shit he was saying? Do you remember that? He was like, talking about, like, reflecting about how cute it was when he was babysitting Don Jr. I'm like, man, this guy. You know he lying because he was playing for Donald Trump team. So how the fuck is he babysitting? I babysit him during the games. Come on, Hirsch. Come on, Hirsch. You had that football in your hand running east to west. You were not, you were not babysitting shit. He was. He never. They, they took him to every stadium. They say he cannot play in any stadium where the where, the, where it goes north to south, y'all. Because <laughs> we they're like, man, we ain't gonna make it seem like he's running from the south to the north. He gotta go yeah. east west. Yeah. They probably lied to him if the stadium did go north to south. Hey, don't worry, Hirsch. That's nah, nah, nah. Even though the sun's on your right, you still running. You still running west and east. North to south. South, they'd be like, you know, let's pull him out of the series. We're going south to north right now. He, he ain't in it. He, he, in the, he in the protocols of the series. The look on Matthew McConaughey's face in that video you have on the side is how I felt when I was watching it. Is that a little look at ending of Interstellar? That's yeah. how I felt when I was watching that. Uh, let me just hear this part one more time because I, I just couldn't get over this. And no luck trying to make a Native American who land they took become their slave because the Native American ran away. I swear, if you, it looks like he has a little bit of a it's smile while he's, while he's saying it too. He's like, he's, a, he's just reading the check. He's like reading a like, check right now. It's like a little bit of a twinge of a he's smile. Like, if you say this line, we'll give you an extra 500K. He's like, okay. Exactly he's okay, reading the check. Hey, know why? If you ever seen uh, Super Troopers and dude was like, I'm going to try and see if I can fit meow in every sentence. That's yeah. what it feels like right now with Herschel Walker. Like, if I can just like fit as much dumb shit into like this testifying as possible, I'm going to get like a huge ass check. They going to give me extra money, every, bonus for every word that I skip over. Every, uh, what is it? Was it blight or black? Blight. No, see, see he's, he's getting tongue twist. He's trying to turn black into white. So he said blight. Blight. It'll be the same blight. Shout out to Herschel Walker. Yo, ignorant ass, get this. This magic moment. Nigga, nigga speak worse than Aaron sometimes. <laughs> Come on. It's <laughs> not a lot of Richie used to speak. <laughs> All right. Well, um, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the High Score 510 podcast. You can catch us at High Score 510 on the Instagram, the YouTube, and the dot com, and the Twitter eventually. You can also check us out on Patreon. Also, we are going to be having a giveaway next month, the month of May. We will have a giveaway. So if you sign up for our Patreon, you will be involved in the giveaway. White boy summer giveaway. So be ready. Um, aside from that, we are here with. Uh, this is Aaron Grayson III, uh, also known as AG3. Just trying to enjoy this white boy summer. Getting ready for it. Getting ready for it. Uh, 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 here we go. AK-47, the very best there is. When you absolutely, positively got to kill every motherfucker in the room, except no substitutes. <laughs> and we are here with... Hello, everybody. It's everybody's friend, uh, favorite friendly truck driver, Captain P-Funk, coming to you from the great white nation of Grand Junction. <laughs> you would wake up some mornings, I shouldn't even say some mornings because you slept for like 15 minutes at a time. Yeah. And be looking for a crack and just smoke whatever was there? Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I spent more time on my hands and knees picking through rugs 
um, smoking anything that re even remotely resembled crack cocaine. I probably smoked more Parmesan cheese than anyone, <laughs> anyone that you know, I'm sure, Tracy. <laughs> you got to respect that dude for that interview right there. That's some, that's some, that's some legit honesty with like no ego. Wow. Right? I like how she laughed at it too. She was like, ah, no, you not, man. That was like pure yeah. honesty. That guy was just like, hey, that's real. I'm pretty sure a lot of people I work with have done the same thing he has. <laughs> Jedediah, that's why he got them pet rats running around. <laughs> Shout out to Hunter Biden. Come on our show. Sponsorship. Um, and we are here with... What up, y'all? It's Kigaloso, KGB, uh, Sticky Keys, coming at you faster than... Uh, Lotion on uh, keyboards. Hot boy, white boy summer. Got your favorite Instagram bitch DM in her number. Woo. Hit the strip club and Mike Thunder. Woo. She let me beat it, I'm a white boy wonder. Uh, bad gal, white dandada. Rude boy, it's a white boy summer. Woo. Woo. Bad gal, white dandada. Woo. Rude boy, it's a white boy summer. Thank you, Jay. I actually appreciate that. There was a lot of booty shaking, which goes with the sticky keys theme. I like it. And, and he was wearing a Jamaican flag, though. Like, well, <laughs> All he need left was a Belizean flag for you, Keegan. Hey, hey Aaron, like was, that, right there, was that the Chet Hanks that you was talking about? Where that's, he spoke the for that's, that's the one I'm talking about. Tom, Tom Hanks is rolling over in his grave. That's not even... Uh, dug out yet? It's cowboy Chatana. I, I think I think Tom Hanks funded that video. <laughs> Tom Hanks funded that dude's whole life. <laughs> yeah, Tom Hanks funded and enabled whatever the fuck is going on here. I did IG. I messaged, DM'd on the IG. Shout out to Chet Hanks with the X uh, sponsorship. Come on our show. Uh, we messaged you um, asking you if you want to come on our show and talk about your white boy summer plan. So hit us back. Hit us back. He really messaged him. That's great. That is great. <laughs> he ain't going to come on here. <laughs> I hope he does, man. I hope he does. All right. And we are here with... Hey, Fizzle. Armin. Persian Dream. What's going on? What's good? Appreciate being on, y'all. You bring the crowns and heads of conquered kings to my city steps. You insult my queen. You threaten my people with slavery and death. Oh, I've chosen my words carefully, Persian. Perhaps you should have done the same. This is blasphemy. This is madness. Madness. This is Sparta! That's not cool, man. They didn't they did the Persian dirty right there. Yeah. <laughs> I just realized. Well, I didn't realize I didn't just realize. I've been noticing this. See how Hollywood flips the script? Yeah. You see that? It's like, yeah, yeah, y'all Negroes trying to make us slaves. You kick your ass in this hole. <laughs> like, you will not, you will not own me. That's that's See, not that, the first. That's not the first. That's not the last time Zack Snyder did a black person dirty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I must have said something. <laughs> See, ah, uh, that's the reason I didn't watch that movie, man. I knew it was gonna that make that shit. Worst movie, one of the top five worst movies ever made. I knew that. Yeah, I was like, I knew they gonna make the Persians look like. Remember in the commercial, they had the Persians looking like monsters and shit. I'm like, come on, man. Yeah, they look like aliens and shit. They had like, mm -hmm. yeah, they they had like multiple nipples more than they should have. I was like, what is? He got like eight nipples and like three like three extra arms. I'm like, like, what the fuck is going on here? I was gonna watch that racist ass shit, dude. That shit was totally racist. They're like, see, this is why we had to make.
they black slaves. Y'all did it first. <laughs> we got we got filled. Yeah. Then <laughs> y'all had eight nipples. <laughs> it's like it confused us. We were scared. We had to fight back. <laughs> did you see that giant Negro? You think we want y'all manifesting? And that's the, you know what's the crazy thing is how all the Spartans had on no clothing and had their muscles showing, and there they had my boy Del Torre from Spartacus as a as a as a Persian wearing all kind of fine robes and shit, heavy as hell. He was gonna fall in that hole anyway because he had too much. He had about 130 pounds worth of robes on. A stiff wind, a stiff wind would have knocked him and them drapes exactly. into that hole. Exactly. It had all know what? Kind of- as hard as he kicked him, he fell straight down. Like he, <laughs> he just said, Ugh. It looked like he just kind of sat. He sat there in the hole. Yeah, he, you know, he, it's funny, man. The real history of the Spartans is hilarious because they were just like the most garbage collection of like idiots ever. <laughs> like had the, the, the shortest lifespan of any like organized group because all they could do was run around doing that kind of nonsense. They had no political like implication or anything. They were like sitting around eating each other's feet. Mm-hmm. Wiping each other's butts with rocks. Hollywood make it seem like they were some old school battalion and shit. I didn't, you know, I never realized Hollywood. That's a that's a perfect depiction of Hollywood. That, that story there. I was like, oh okay. When it comes <laughs> to race relations, that's like, yeah, they, they, yeah, this is this is how they wanted to be, huh? Dude's well, hat I, was raw though, man. The Persian dude's hat was raw. I would have worn that. And my name is Jared, aka DJ Art, with two T's for a double dose of that tink tink. The D in silence, so it's just Jart. Here's my soundbite. Oh wow, wow, wow! Woke up this morning, internet gone mad again sheesh um but just want to drop a few uh rules and regs for uh, the white boy summer okay rule number one no plaid shirts okay can't be looking like a picnic table out here boys uh rule number two no sperry topsiders that's not the kind of white boys we're talking about dog okay and uh there'll be more rules coming oh yeah yeah no calling girls smoke shows okay Okay, that that term is, uh, it's played out, dude. And you can't just see a hot chick and be like, dude, you see that fucking dude? It's fucking smoke show, dude. Fucking smoke, dude. Okay, that's over with. Oh, yeah, and anything salmon colored, burn it. Burn that shit. Don't ever wear that again. Bottom line here, gentlemen, is it's time for us to evolve. Okay, period. It's time for us to, you know, grow from a Pikachu to a Raichu. You dig. You know what I mean? Church. I was wondering why he had that church above his head and the emoji of church right there. You know, my boy Chet, Chet Hank is going is doing more for race relations, Jerry, than I, than, I'm, than I think you've done in the last five years, man. In one one Instagram feed, he would have been he would have been helpful in that Sparta scene. <laughs> <laughs> this week scientists some u.s scientists and chinese scientists have created early embryos that are part human and part monkey they say that it's for uh, hopefully to create more organs for organ transplants for the thousands of people who die every year in the united states waiting for organ transplants but many scientists are coming out and saying that it is ethically problematic what do you guys think about that? Hey, if they can make me a pancreas out of one, hey, uh, I'm all for it. <laughs> they gonna make you a pancreas, but make sure it got diabetes in it. <laughs> they, gonna get, they gonna get the one, one diabetic, diabetic monkey. monkey. <laughs> get that one monkey that, that one monkey that ain't got the muscle on them or nothing. Like, yeah, we got one diabetic monkey in this embryo, and we're gonna give it to another diabetic monkey. 
Hey, look, his his diabetes sugar level lower than yours, so go ahead and take it. Give it to you for the low. Are you guys uh, interested in human uh, organ transplants being uh, cultivated from these part monkey, part human embryos? This is probably not a good idea, but you know, <laughs> what do I know? Probably. I mean, you know, it's like uh, what Pedro was saying. It's like you know, I mean, obviously you can do good, but is that the intention? Yeah, well, Kirsten the Matthews. Intention is to make profits and to control populations. It seems like it's always the first intention, because it's like you Trojan horse those things, right? I mean, but then again, I mean, you know, it's wild. Uh, you know, Kirsten Matthews, who is a I believe a scientist, said her first question is why? What's the reason we're doing this? And then another thing she said is uh, uh, we're kind of pushing forward with science without having proper conversation about what we should be doing or should not do with it. I think that's like, you know, these frontiers is like. Human, the human condition is exploring these new frontiers of things and basically testing things out as, as we experience them, as we learn about them, as we you know come upon them. Is our moral compass actually been resolute? Has it been resolute in the past and in our historical sense? Or do we typically kind of just go where, where the power and the money can get us? You know what I'm saying? And I think that's a, a valid question to ask. You know, if, if it's for, if it's for, you know, some diseases, um, you know, I'm all for, you know, looking in, in every avenue that we can. Uh, of course, we all had somebody, we lost loved ones that had problems with maybe kidneys, heart, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Studies, and you know, science, whatever. We do need to keep studying, but it gets a little tricky when you start swapping organs and from different animals. Uh, I can't imagine it. I guess if the science can go that far, um, it gets sticky to how do you prove it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And go ahead and get one of those, uh, go ahead and give some of the monkey toes and see if they work out for you. <laughs> <laughs> monkey toes. <laughs> I think it's problematic, mostly because it's not just gonna be like organs, like a heart or like a lung. You're gonna find like some celebrity that's gonna want some monkey ass. Like the Kardashians. <laughs> they were like, gorilla hey. booty. She looked like gorilla <laughs> booty. <laughs> hey, this bitch is gonna start asking for the gorilla hips. Cause you know they got them big bulky hips. They be walking like they just like, man, I'm trying to get them Kim K hips. So hey, give me some of that gorilla. Okay, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're already injecting themselves with like gorilla like chick put gorilla goo on her hair. I mean, be like, what's the next step from that? Like, let's get some actual like some gorilla booty and put it on, put it on your hips. <laughs> you know, it's the frontier in science of how we can, they're growing meat now, you know what I'm saying? Edible meat, that's something that they're doing because the demands and the, and, and the strain on our resources by, you know, always having cattle has been an issue. So now they're like, we can grow meat and we don't have to worry about mm -hmm. using as many resources like uh, grazing cattle and this, that, and the other and all these other resources that go into like creating the meat. But then this, it's like, yeah, like what's the, what's the, what's the need that we're looking at? And the need is people who need transplants. And are we playing God? Cause I know that, you know, there's a lot of people who are against like stem cell research or they, it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. That was one of the big things like no stem cell research. It's illegal, you know, or it should be illegal. It's playing God. But we've evolved past that now to the point where now we're trying to, you know, use um, other animals that, you know, have similar DNA to us to be able to grow uh, organs for people who might need it. Now, are we playing God and trying to keep people alive who whose organs are failing for whatever reason? Or do we say, hey, let's let's with it, with any means that we have, try and save these people? And I guess that's a question that I have for y'all, like. 
you know, if you do have, or if you need an organ transplant, are you somebody who thinks that we should be harvesting it out of other animals, uh, hybrid animals? Or do you think that, you know, we should have a kind of a limit on that and being like, hey, you know, we should just keep this, you know, from people who are willing to donate organs. Or should we even just, are you somebody who's like, you shouldn't get an or, organ donation anyways, and it should just, your life is your life. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what, well, is, what is this it, better than using dead fetuses, Jared? That's what, that's what Marjorie Green told me. <laughs> it's better than using dead fetuses and, and, and killing all fetuses. But so 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 a baby a baby fetus this 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 right to life is is more important than uh, say a monkey's right to life or a pig's right to life or a sheep's right to life. Don't they already use like uh, pig organs because it's closer to humans? They have used it in the past for certain things, I believe. Yeah, there's an ethical conversation that needs to be had, and there there's a there's a moral conversation um, that we should also be having because. At a certain point, do we want to become basically uh, cyborgs of cyber, I guess, uh, by bioborgs, you know, we become like cyborg, We're like we just got so many different things that are piecing us together. We're not fully ourselves anymore. Is that going to be like the new norm, like in 20 years, 100 years, a thousand years from now, if we're still on this planet? Are we just going to be people who are just like, you know, what I'm saying piecing together like we got fit, fish collagen in our in our lips. Now we got monkey ass in our hips. And you know what I'm saying? We got pig, pig, pig lungs in our body. You know what I'm saying? Are we just gonna be pieced together by random th different things? Are we gonna turn into what the Egyptians was presented on their walls? Good thing is I'd be I'll be no longer walking this earth by the time that happens. I'm trying to see if I can get some draft legs so I can be a basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking about when Kiki said Bucky. Yeah. I was thinking, how many people gonna go out and get them get their package bigger? Hey man, give me one of them. You guys got elephant? You guys got elephant dogs back there? I mean, I'd be like, hey man, can you can you put that horse dong on me? Uh -huh. Can you splice that into the genetics? So I keep growing. Hey, that remind me of that uh the one episode of South Park when the 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 one I think it was like a rat or a mice had like uh somebody's penis like that was grafted onto it. Mm -hmm. That's what we start having like monkeys with like extra penises. Well, they had they had the they had the the mouse that had a human the ear growing on it. Yeah, that yeah, was the one. ear on the back. Oh, that's kind of. And then up. you know they had the guy who had his dick transplanted or had a dick grown on his arm, and yeah. he's at least but that was his own arm. It made sense. So yeah, he was getting arm. it. He was getting it to be you know put back on his own. Hey, how body. much money would you take if someone needed to uh, graft a dick and have it grown on your arm for someone else? Ooh, for how long would I have to have the dick on my arm? I don't know. Pretty as long, long as it took to grow, how long he had it for? Pretty long. Well, he had it like he had it. He had it like over a year and a All half. Right, let's say a year. Let's say a year and a, a half. Year, how much? How much dick. would you? No, this is like a how much penis. per month would you need for that? How to much rent the space out on your arm? What color is would his need, penis? I would need enough money that I would need the money that I make in my month-to-month -month job because I ain't gonna go to work for every month. So I would need that money. You need at least that much. Okay, I need at least that much so I could you know live without having to like. Then you gonna need out. enough money to pay for AC because you sure as hell ain't wearing no shorts and these shirts for yeah, a year yeah. and a half. So you know. If they pay me like $150,000, maybe maybe $150,000. I'm not greedy. That's it? A month or no, 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 no. For, for, for only a year? For a year? A year and a half? A year and a half, give me 500 k We good. That's so you have somebody else's thing. penis on your arm for uh, well, well, only $150. It's, it's, never, it's, never, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's never been, been on their body, so yeah. it's not really they dick until so really I it's give yours. it to them. Yeah, yeah, really, it's yours. So. Yeah. It'd be my dick still. It's my dick until I take it off and give it to you. I mean, you gotta wash it, and not, not cool. That's too much. Work. Some inconveniences of doing things like it'll be harder to play Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then I can. Hey, hey man, I get can, your I dick can, off the control. <laughs> I can. Hey. <laughs>
there's a proposed bill in France. It would ban women or girls under 18 from wearing a hijab in public. It has spawned the new hashtag, hands off my hijab. The ban is a more of a far right or centrist French movement that is hoping to curtail radicalism, Islamic radicalism in France. They're calling it, code word, an anti-separatist bill. Um, what do you guys think about that? Everybody in France, we want you all to look like cigarettes and croissants. Oh, you should be as racist as they are with that deal right there. Oh, he said cigarettes and croissants. I never left. Uh, when I was growing up, I never traveled anywhere, really. And like, I moved to this country when I was like five years old, four years old. But I never really traveled too much when I was a kid. And the first time I actually went somewhere was like, like 2000. I went to France. It was wild eye-opening experience because it's like definitely a viciously racist country and it's interesting because you know you don't necessarily see it in paris per se but you know you can tell it's there if you lived out there in paris but when you go out to places like marseille the port towns Mm -hmm. all the port towns that are where a lot of north african west african you know arab west african like you know senegalese can be always people come through totally different story I mean, I'm not even a little bit surprised because this is, this, you know, this is, they've been doing this forever. They've had different, you know, they've been working on a full, you know, they want to fully uh, integrate their former, because this is all about their formerly colonized populations. I mean, this is obviously, I mean, this is terrible, man. This is a terrible situation. I know that they, you know, I remember learning about France younger and they, you know, I learned that it was more of a, a society that wants you to assimilate to their culture, the French culture, the language, and you can still maintain some of your notes of your uh, original culture, but they really want you to make sure you speak French and that everything is kind of like you are immersing yourself in French culture. It's more so a melting pot than a salad bowl, I guess, is what they're going for. But um, they said also, uh, while debating the proposed legislation on March 30th, senators approve an amendment to the bill calling for, in quotes, prohibition in public space of any conspicuous religious sign by minors and of any dress or clothing which would signify inferiority of women over men. So they're really coding it to be like, we don't want to have anything where women are less superior to men in any kind of religious or cultural, you know, saying garb. And so that language right there is really interesting to me um, personally, because I feel as though it's, it's their way of trying to explain and delegitimize you know, another culture or another religious set of beliefs as being, you know, one way versus another, you know, they're discerning it. And it's very much their lens being placed on. It's a Western lens being placed on a culture that is not of a foundation of this, you know, French Western colonial uh, ideology, so to speak. I I think this is definitely game with, you know, the European populist movement that's going on not just in Europe, but all over the world. Because, I mean, it's, don't France have a complicated history with diversity? Because I know, like, James Baldwin and um, uh, what was the guy, the guy that played Othello back in the day? Uh, oh, Mackay Pfeiffer. Mackay Pfeiffer. Oh. No, the, what, who'd you say, RB? Because I'm Paul, not going to get a true... Robeson? Paul Robeson. Thank you. I was going to get a true answer out of Jared's ass. Vegan, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for trying to at least give me an answer. Jared, Jared knew that I wasn't talking about Mackay beautiful white Pfeiffer. woman, Julia Stiles, broke his heart. <laughs> Paul Robeson, uh, James Baldwin, they all talked about how Paris was like that place of refuge for African-Americans escaping oppression and racism of America. 
But then I do know about the history, like you said, from the people coming from the colonies, where it isn't so open arms, right? When you look at the French soccer team, which was almost basically an African team, yep, <laughs> but they yep. they were second generation, you know, our first generation French born, but they they all came from like basically the same different parts of France, right? A lot They're of like them Muslim. A lot of them Muslim. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so that it's more complication to this Frenchish, you know. Well, you know, even with the James Baldwin, you know, I think that the thing about Europe as a refuge for black Americans is that it's complicated because in that time, like the post-war interwar period, you had a culture of left, white, European, Mm -hmm. Parisian, Bohemian type folks out there. And that Mm -hmm. was really what people like Baldwin were falling into. Like they were being, there, there was a group of people there. And of course, the fact that at the time, because Paris is very particular, it's different. It's different than everything else. You know, if you read someone else, some, for example, if you read uh, France Fanon, mm-hmm. who was the revolutionary uh, anti-colonial psychiatrist and writer, was like the most important figure in the history of like anti-colonialism. And he was from Martinique. And, you know, I mean, if you read his book, Black Skin, White Mask, or you read Wretched of the Earth, you read those books and you just you see what's going on in France is exactly what they're doing in their colonies. But they were able to like submerge that a little bit, you know, because they do have this, they did have a culture, they do have a tradition of left leaning. Cause they still, I mean, like they have a, they have a very powerful national um, sense of, of labor, uh, labor organization, you know, and they have like a lot of progressive trends within the country, yeah. but Macron, Macron is a very, I mean, he's a right, I mean, he might, he's a right wing dude. I mean, yeah, they, they consider him a moderate because you have to, I mean, like, if y'all remember when Trump was elected, this is, it's crazy. When Trump was elected, y'all probably remember this. There was all this drama about the French elections. Mm-hmm. There was, there, Macron was up against, uh, what's her name? Um, I'm sorry, I can't remember anything right now, y'all. I haven't eaten forever. But the point is that he was up against essentially what, what amounts to the right wing populist, fascist, white supremacist party. Okay, and he it was the same thing It was the same idea that this person represents, you know, it's like a Trumpist type of a deal. We are the liberal alternative. And this is what you get. Not to say that the other person would have been better. That's not what I'm saying. But the point is, is that that, that you Trojan horse, yeah. the fascism. I mean, we saw what happened in Minnesota. Yeah. So you all see that you all see what was going on in Minnesota yesterday. It was like the day before when they were sending in those fatigued out paramilitary yeah. troops the, 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 with, yeah. the, you know, with, the, with strap, the rifles the strap straight up on the you know and so it's like in a way this is their version you know and i remember when i went out there because you know i grew up in the bay but when i went out there mm-hmm. it was the first time i'd experienced i'm like whoa like cats targeting me like whoa whoa it's heavy like, i i i never because growing up out here, you know, like in the community I grew up in, it wasn't really like that. I mean, you know, you see, you hear about cats getting, you know, cats get messed with and end up in the pen or something like that. But it wasn't like on the street, an everyday thing in Berkeley and Oakland, like cats are like coming at you with like, hey, you're, you know. But over there, it's like, they're just straight, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a serious thing. Ma- yeah, uh, Marie Le Pen. So, you know, it's the thing. It's like that they, they do have a Bernie Sanders type candidate, um, uh, Melanchon. And, you know, the whole yellow jack, yellow vest thing, you know, they have a strong tradition there of like standing up for labor rights and civil rights, but they have a more powerful tradition of racism. I mean, you have Indochina, Africa, 
and all those populations now live. I mean, they have they have massive populations in, you know. I mean, you go to the projects; they call them the ban, you know les banlieues. Ban you go out to the project housing in in France, and like, I mean, you just it's just filled. It's just filled with West Africans and Arabs. But yeah, this so, is crazy, and I wonder what the response is going to be. I don't know much about it. Uh, I just have a quick question: like, why hijabs? Well, that's why the language I think that they're trying to use because you know the anti-separatism bill is what they keep saying and they said that they don't want to have any like religious signs of uh by minors or any dress of clothing which would signify inferiority of, of women uh, over men and so you know there's been a lot of especially with western you know like the the whole you know us going into afghanistan and iraq so we got to liberate those people we got to liberate you know the they treat women so bad over there we need to liberate those people so that they have more you know what I'm saying liberal views and more they allow women to express themselves and i'm not saying that like some of the things that you know different cultures have might to us seem oppressive or seem as a way that is like not treating all their people great but i'm not going to sit here and take my sensibilities and just like you know what i'm saying with 100% conviction believe that the way I live my life and the way I see the world is the right way. You know what I'm saying? People have grown up in a culture and in, in a in a society a certain way. Whether or not I think that it's uh, the right way is not for me to judge. It's not for me to say that this is the right way. And I think that's what you're getting here. And now it's their country. It's France. What is it? A Christian uh, country more so? And uh, they were Catholics. Catholic, Catholic were Christianity, Catholics. Catholics, you know, they follow the great Jesus, white Jesus, right? So they follow white Jesus, right? So, yeah, like when you have, you know, people who, who practice Islam, they're going to like look at it differently. Um, we're used to making people like, you know, assimilate to our society. We're going to, you know, infringe on their religious freedoms. And I find it fucked up. And I find it to be really interesting that they're saying that, you know, saying we're, we're going to tell you that this is making women inferior by by wearing a hijab when honestly, you know, what I'm saying like it's one of those things where this one lady brought up like the age of consent in France is 15. The age of consent to have sex is 15 years old. Right. But now you're making it to where the age of consent to wear a hijab and practice part of your religious freedoms is 18 now um, is that's that's something to consider. That's something that doesn't seem um, consistent with 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 the values of this country no i mean look the, the thing is it's not it's not even a question of it's a question of they are the french liberals the french conservatives of course predominantly white but in general believe deeply in having a secular country or at least a judeo-christian country to whatever extent they can that or you know to whatever extent there's going to be an inflection of any kind of religious history you might, you know, it's kind of like here, the same thing, you know, you, know, you don't, you know, and, but there, the Islamophobia there is, is amplified by the, by the, the, the fact that it's smaller, you know, and they're able to more effectively, I mean, if y'all remember, like it was right around the Trump election before and after, and though like in the years leading up to it and after, because I mean, think about it like this. What was it like, like re leading up to Trump's election? ISIS this, ISIS that, terrorist this, terrorist that, right? It was like every yeah. day for, for I mean, just the war, just Bush years, every single day, bearded men are coming to get you, coming to get your daughters, your mothers, you know, you're going to wake up, you know, th that's what we heard. And suddenly that fucking faucet just turned off. Isn't that amazing? It just turned off. Suddenly in Trump's administration, sometime like a year, whatever it was, just suddenly all that stuff started going away. ISIS stuff started going away. Terrorism stuff started going away. What happened? What, 
what's the deal? What's with that? You know? And it's an interesting thing because I think that like out there, it serves a political purpose, you know, and it helps these cats consolidate their authority. I think in some ways, Macron, because he's, he has a similar issue that the Democrats in this country have, right? Which is Democrats in this country, they don't, they want to split the difference. They don't want to embrace socialist policies or progressive policies or policies that are popular because it'll affect certain financial interests that they have in the nerve center of their party. So what they'd rather do is make concessions to what they perceive to be a middle ground, which is essentially conservatives who don't vote for them. Okay, that's what they say. That's what they do. I mean, I'm sure you all know this. And so the deal is with this, the same as a similar deal, you know, Macron mm. is a straight up neoliberal, like he is essentially hardcore right wing anti-union. I mean, but he but he presents himself as a liberal. Right. And like Obama gave him his stamp because at the time, again, it was like Le Pen, Marie Le Pen was the Trump in France. So they held up Macron as this savior. But in reality, Macron, he's done nothing but make their country like he he is very unpopular. He won that election by the skin of his teeth. Yeah. You know, and so the thing is that they 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 know that. And in part, Islamophobia is just political capital. This is all just political theater. But the cost of this political theater is, of course, people's culture and their ability to, to live their lives in peace, you know? Yeah. And I find it funny that they're like, we don't want any symbols of women being inferior to men, but we're going to make a law that tells women what they can and can't do. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. It's like, bro, like you are doing, you're just, you're, you're repackaging it in a wordy Western way to make it seem like you're doing something good. But literally you're doing the same thing that you're, that you're claiming to be fighting against look, by... Look, the, the French powerful men are picking a fight they think they can win because you know they're all cowards. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, that's the thing then. Hey, you know what we're going to do? Uh, we're going to go out there. I'm going to teach all the Muslims how to speak German and then that shit will get off the ballot real quick. Teach every Muslim person just some <laughs> German phrases. All I need is 17 of them to walk in the Senate and next thing you know, they'll surrender it to me. <laughs> well, oh shit it's yours <laughs> install your Vichy government that's what they'll say yeah man I fucking yeah. 17 Muslims speaking German we're really in trouble oh sorry about that sorry Eric. I don't sorry, need Muslims I just need 17 Germans I mean I need you guys I need you help with this man I need you guys no speaking English on this one we just going in speaking German Are we taking guns nope nope uh, they, what, what weapons we gonna have well I'm gonna have a broomstick that's it that's all we need and they're like you gonna swing the broomstick no no I'm actually gonna sweep some shit up with it but uh, that's all we need you bring some margarine too <laughs> I don't really fuck them up too <laughs> yeah margarine what the fuck is this <laughs> damn <Jim. laughs> hey no, you just bad. walk in there no, speaking bad. German screaming this it's your boy Chattana. they wouldn't know how to react I think I can take over that in Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia. You, hey, you sent him in there with Chet Hanks as their leader, speaking Jamaican. Jamaican. <laughs> Man, Chet Hanks might be, he's like, what's it called? The, uh, the Dark Knight? He's like the, the, the hero we need but don't deserve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Jimmy Flick, a UFC fighter or former UFC fighter um, who appeared on the Contender Series, and was scheduled to fight uh, Francisco Figueredo, the younger brother of the flyweight champion Davison Figueredo at UFC Vegas 26 on May 8th, has abruptly retired. He decided to re retire because he said 
there's no benefits of beating up my body no more being in the UFC. We have no 401k. We have no benefits. We have no fallback. Fighters are too stupid to unionize, and it'll never happen because there's other fighters that will fight for that money. I love the money I got, but this is just to go show everybody that money doesn't buy happiness. So a UFC fighter, not a super big name one, has decided to retire from the fight sports game because of the lack of compensation and protections of fighters in the UFC. Uh, What do you guys think about that? It's hilarious, man. Like you watch this John Jones fiasco and how this dude is just such a dumbo, dumbo, man. It's a dumb ass cat. I mean, it's like you feel for him almost because like he's sitting here like he's like, it's like you see this cat connecting all the dots. Like he's like almost going to connect all the dots. You know, he's like, all right, I'm about to get like he could. I just don't understand. The dude's brothers are in the NFL. and He doesn't understand the concept of collective bargaining. Oh, John Jones. You're talking about John Jones. Yeah, yeah. John yeah. Jones. No, I'm just speaking to this dude's point. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, you're complaining about you. You are obviously, you know, I think John Jones, I would give him a pass on the CTE tip, but it trips me out because, like, both of his brothers are in the NFL, both of them. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine when he's chopping it up with them and their agents and they have an understanding of how NFL players have these kinds of protections, but he doesn't put it together. He does not put two. Like, how do you not put it together? This is what I don't understand from his from, from that perspective. If you're a star, this dude's obviously not a star. But if you're a star, like like Jones is, like okay, I'm gonna get eight million. Like you're offering me eight million for this fight, but I want fifteen million or whatever it is he wants, right? What I don't get about that is, if you don't collectively organize, you might as well just take the eight million. Why do you need five more million dollars? What's the point of the extra money? Because that if you do this this time, you're going to have to do it again next time. So mm-hmm. every time you fight, you're going to have to get low-balled because he's on a big pay-per-view draw, Jones, right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't really understand. You know, it's an interesting thing. I think, they, I mean, obviously, fight sports have traditionally just been, a, just been, you can't, it's an individualistic thing. It's like tennis, right? I mean, you know how to get tennis players to unionize. It's hard to do, right? It's a hard thing to do. But yeah. Um, but people who play tennis typically have already got so much money or backing behind them to get to where they get to that, you know, they probably doing all right regardless. I wonder. I mean, I don't know what's. I mean, obviously uh, it's top top twenty, right? But yeah, I but there's been there's been that. a lot of complaints for the lower people at tennis because don't forget those tournaments, those major tournaments, they have like you know usually it's like how many people in them? They're huge. They're, this yeah. isn't like the bracket of sixty four for college basketball, and so they've been complaining a lot about their treatment recently tennis and like uh having to find their own housing things like that they're like look we don't have a lot of money right like we, we pay to get to these tournaments we have to find housing so i think i think it's almost like the same like you said or it's the low end yeah I, I just see tennis as such a prohibitive sport as it is with the amount of money to be able to like train get a coach country club style shit kind of like golf like people who are playing tennis and decide to make tennis their go-to thing that's why this the williams sisters are such a such a you know revelation and some of these others there are some athletes that don't come from you know great affluence that end up you know but um to get the funding or people to to see give you seed money to train um with because they see your talent like typically i feel like a lot of them are already more well off in better places than a lot of these fighters or um other athletes that are coming from even more you know desperate situations or or low income situations originally but um yeah, no, I, it, other news in, in going on in the UFC, and this is something that I wanted to talk about a little bit, is you know, John Jones and Francis Ngannou, a super fight. John Jones is moving up to – he relinquished his light heavyweight title to move up to heavyweight and to challenge for the heavyweight title. Francis Ngannou, a couple weeks ago, 
defeated Stipe Miocic for the heavyweight championship. This is a fight that could, you know, be the fight of the decade potentially um, in the fight sports world. If you have John Jones, the best pound for pound fighter in the last, you know, decade who has cleared out his entire division, been a champion for almost a decade straight now, going up against the the new iteration and the new breed of, you know, potential fighter, somebody who's just massive, powerful, and also relatively very nimble and quick in Francis Ngannou, but has just devastating power. Ngannou like came in and was 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 a he was a ascending star um, before he lost his first fight to Miocic. He took a couple years to retrain his body, learn some new things, and then came back and beat Miocic very very decisively to fight John Jones, who's been the the standard bearer of the UFC for the last ten years, other than maybe one or two other fighters. Um, would be an epic fight um, to see and would make would draw a lot of people. Whether or not John Jones is a big draw, Ngannou's a big draw. John Jones and his legacy is a big draw. Add those two things together, you can have a super big card. And the UFC is unwilling to, you know, apparently pay more than $8 million to Jones for the fight. And so this gets down to the unionization component of things. So um, do we have fighters, you know, fighters, do they need a union? I guess that's the one question. Should fighters unionize? Um, but realistically, what would it take? Or do you even think it's going to happen? But what do you think it would take to actually get fighters to unionize? Because... This is one of those things where this guy is leaving because if he, I, I feel like if he had more protections and he had more of a safety net for when his fighting career is over, he might still be fighting. And I think a lot of these fighters um, are at a point in the evolution of fight sports, especially in mixed martial arts, that they're not understanding the, 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 the down the road. They're not willing to sacrifice their opportunity for their own glory or their own gains right now to help grow the sport and evolve it and, and develop it so that you can get the best fighters coming into the sport in future years and future decades for the sport to really become a legitimate way of, you know what I'm saying, getting, you know, the, the, the best fighters against the best fighters and the best talent against the best talent. Um, so yeah, do you guys think it's going to happen? And what, what would it take, do you think, for it to happen if you were, if you see it happening? Um, I'll give it to uh, uh, Keegan, you got anything? happen uh i don't think the union is going to be the best part only because nfl got a union and they're they're still shitty uh they they're just doing an extra game i think they're 17 weeks now um but just like the nfl ufc it's run not run but uh a lot of the top people get the most of the money and those lower cars they don't get as much money as as the top ones so like russell wilson bringing in you know 140 million dollars but like you know the third string safety they're probably bringing in like five hundred thousand dollars which is nothing when it comes when when nothing they compared mm -hmm. however i would say that five hundred thousand dollars is like uh several uh tens of times more than the lower rung ufc fighters who are making 12 12.5 k per fight and and that's my point exactly like he's getting eight mil uh he wants more um yeah i think he should get more but I also think that those lower cards should get more as well. Yeah. Definitely uh, should get more. Um, okay. I don't think a union is going to help with that because uh, those lower people are going to be like, all right, we're only getting, like you said, 20, 20 let's say like $20,000 to fight on this lower card. Like, hey, we need more money. You give us 10% more. Yeah, we're going to take it. And then their CBA might expire like in the next five years. So that means they're only getting 10% every 10% for like the next five years. Like what's gonna happen to the next five years after that? They're gonna get like a, another extra ten percent. 
Mm-hmm. Keep bargaining. You keep bargaining. You keep that's, bargaining. It's the process, but you got to get the bargaining going, right? Yeah, yeah. that's part of collect the bar. Like the NFL, yes, yes, it's the, there's an inequality of pay. I think you keep collect the bargaining. You know, the NFL, they got that 17th game, but you know what the players got out of getting that 17th game? They get to their health benefits faster after retirement, and they also got the ability to smoke weed again, right? I Which a lot of players weed. wanted. They were smoking weed before, but right. they were. They were, but not at this point where now they don't have to worry about being suspended. Like Ricky Williams talked about when he got suspended for smoking weed, he said because he was with New Orleans and he only got tested on a certain time during the season. So he knew he could smoke a little bit and then test during the season. Like he could smoke on Sunday night and be fine. But then he went to Miami, he got suspended because he said, I get there and they're like, hey, you got to test right now. He wasn't used to, he didn't know their testing date was at a certain time. Now they don't have to worry about that. Now they're, they're, they they smoke weed now. So that way they don't have to be hooked on all the opioids that the doctors prescribed to them there. I mean, that's part of collective bargaining. And I think it would work well for the UFC because NFL, yeah, they got screwed. They had to play another extra game, destroy their own bodies, but they collected bargaining for that. They yeah. wanted other things. So they got this. And then the other part is like, how long did it, like how long, did it take them for them to say weed is allowed in the NFL? Uh, well, it took it took the changing of like even our country, right? Yeah, but it I also that. think that in the UFC, since NFL has already done it, the UFC mm-hmm. has a blueprint. So now it won't take as long for them to collect a bargain than it did in the NFL. No, so that, it but- might. It could be, it's a double-edged sword. It could be good and it could be bad. At the yeah, same time. it's always, it's always. Cause you know, you got unions that represent a lot of people and not everyone, like, like we learned with the NBA with the player union, like not everyone even voted for their things, right? But the collective bargaining gives you a right that you can bargain for more things. For USC, it's going to take, you know, somebody like a John Jones or one of these bigger fighters and these guys that, that are already getting paid pretty handsomely for their work, but it's going to take some of them to really make the movement or it's going to take a lot of the small, lower end fighters um, to make the movement, but I, yeah, John Jones does not, he's, he was, he was lamenting on Twitter, uh, a couple weeks ago, um, about this and it was just like, Hey bro, like you're, you, you know, shout out to the co-main event podcast. They were also mentioning, it's like, he's saying everything other than just being like, and the next step is a union, like, or, or some kind of collective bargaining by the fighters. And I know some people were like, Oh, it's gonna be too hard. Cause you got fighters at different promotions. But you can create an independent fighters union. You have to register as like a professional fighter. Once you want to become a professional fighter, you still have to like be registered as a professional fighter to enter and sign these contracts. Kind of like, you know, Actors Screen Actors Guild or something like that. Like you, you know, join this and then you can sign contracts with these different promotions. And we will collectively bargain protections and, you know, relative pay that will fall under these different promotions. And yeah, maybe some promotions don't bring in as much revenue. So their pay rate is going to be a little bit lower, but there's a, there's a standard minimum um, that they have to be able to, to pay you for, for, for us to have this contract with this fight organization. If you want to fight the independent circuits, yada, yada, that's fine. You can do that. But like, at least for these big ones that are bringing in, like that are worth hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, like the UFC is like, you will get compensated and protected uh, in a relative way. And they can't just cut you from your contract. If you sign a five fight deal with them or an eight fight deal with them, they can't just cut that deal from you, which they can do. Some fighters on a losing streak, they'll 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 terminate their contract early, and that fighter is now a free agent. There's things that could be done to just you know build out some of these protections for these fighters that um, are not even being considered right now. And and I think I saw a statistic, um, I don't know from where, but they were mentioning that like, uh, I mean, you might know more about this. The, the UFC keeps like eighty percent of the profits. Um, That's crazy. So the the company 
literally like keeps like 80% of revenue. The fighters and all the fighters they have from the upper ranks to the lower ranks, they split 20% of the revenue. Mm-hmm. Now, NBA, what is their what's their what's their ownership in, in players? They have the highest, and it's probably like, like around fifty six or fifty five. Yeah, 56 yeah, it's around fifty percent, somewhere in the fifty percent range, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, NFL first, the owners. NFL's even fifty. NFL's even over fifty it's, now. Yeah, it's so over you have it's like it's like man, like even if they gave them ten more percent, think about how much more fighters could make. Instead of making twelve twelve point five thousand a fight, those fighters could make twenty thousand as the base minimum for their fight. So that if they fight two or three times. You know what I'm saying? They make 60, 40 to 60K a year, right? With a fight bonus, they can make upwards of 100, uh, 100 mil, right? Or uh, 100,000, sorry, 100,000 a year. And as a fighter, then like that seems like more reputable, especially for such a big promotion that's owned or that, that's owned by this big, you know, media conglomerate that's worth uh, billions of dollars and that has a contract with ESPN and Disney, which is worth billions upon billions of dollars. So the money is there. It's whether or not, you know, um, you know, these things get, you know, taken seriously by the by the by the people who are invested in it, the fighters and you know there is there is a anti-trust lawsuit that is you know making its way through the, through the courts um i know dana white was buddies with trump so i think that shit got kind of filibustered and held up in the courts but there is anti-trust lawsuit that's going to eventually make it up there in in the courts about you know i'm saying the way that the ufc is paying their fighters and and, and the monopoly that's being created amongst you know independent independent contractors um, but Prop 22 didn't help that shit either, so we'll see. Um, mm-hmm. What do y'all think? Pedro, you got anything on this? Pedro's at a truck stop. Oh, I got him muted. Pedro, I got you muted because it was clicking too loud. But uh, all right, um, uh, Armin, anything? What's your take on it? No, man, it's, it's – it's, I mean, I think at the end of the day, man, like – it's hilarious to me how all these so-called tough guys that are so super individualistic sit around getting hustled by Dana White and the UFC and have no sense of self-preservation beyond just like, I'll make the next like handful of bucks for the next fight. I, I don't think that, I don't think that uh, fight sports in general are conducive to anything like that whatsoever. I feel like the only way that's going to happen is some random event, like a random event, like some random thing where like you get a cat, like a, uh, just some superstar who just randomly is like down to do that for whatever reason. Like a McGregor is like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to go and throw down for a union, you know, or for like collective bargaining. Other than that, the only way it's going to happen is externally. Cause union is, you have to be organized. Someone's going to organize you. And it's either going to be the person who's in the sport itself, or it's going to be an external force who comes in and does it. Mm-hmm. And, and there's already been several attempts, man, at the UFC at getting, at getting some sort of collective organizing from outside like big wigs. You remember there was like, there was a, it wasn't that long ago. There was a dude that that was like a pretty serious labor organizer had worked with the teamsters and this and that he tried, got knocked back immediately. So you need to have like, you can't even get half the fighters, man. You can't even get a quarter of the fighters to agree to do that. So I don't see how that's ever going to happen. Yeah. Which you know what? I mean, at the end of the day, let the sport burn. Who cares? (laughs) In my view, because it's like, you know, I mean, if you're not going to look out for yourself and your community, I mean, which you know, you can't really complain too much about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to unionize when you're out there trying to train dogs how to run with you while I'm shooting a gun. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You have really your financial priorities are definitely not in the right place. You know, I'm pretty sure that uh, oh, Herschel Walker, Herschel Walker had a 
had a good take on why there's no union in the UFC. Hold on, Herschel, why is there no union in the UFC? And to a slave trader who eventually <laughs> sold the African-American ancestors to slave owners. The slave owners who had no success and no luck trying to make a Native American who land they took become their slave. Because Look at them laughing. Look at them laughing. Well, <laughs> they thought it was fine then to use African-American who didn't know the country, didn't know the language, didn't know the religion, and they didn't run away. So I asked him. What did you say, Jared? So he's reading from the memo and the check that they gave him? Yeah. They wrote all that in the memo section? Cutty Corner Shoutouts! Cutty Corner Shoutouts! Cutty Corner Shoutouts is the segment we end the show on. Everyone gets the floor to rant, complain, and talk shit about something that's been pissing them off, or... You can talk about something positive and give a spotlight to something positive. Cutty Corner shout-outs. Cutty Corner shout-outs. It's time. It's time. We're burning down. God, if you listen, help. So cold and bleeding now, now, now. I'm in for this, man. Gonna let you down. He had sex with my mama. We're <laughs> Cutty Corner shout outs. Cutty Corner shout outs. Aaron, do you have a Cutty Corner shout out? I do. My Cutty Corner shout out goes out to Demi Lovato. I'm sure there's a lot of reasons we could point out to Demi Lovato. The fact she had a drug party where she had Norcane on hand in case anybody OD'd, which she did. Uh, the fact that she's just, you know, she's Demi Lovato. She's a Disney child actress, which I'm, I know has to be hard. This, I have nothing against Demi Lovato. I can honestly say I've never listened to her music. I was too old when Disney Channel came out, so I don't know what she starred in or what. This is for her calling out a frozen yogurt joint called The Big Chill. And she called him out and went on Instagram, put their name out there and put them on blast talking about because they had, she said, shame on them for having diet options, saying that she's getting shamed, right? By having them in the front of the store and having them where they are at. Look, look, the only person that should be ashamed of themselves is whoever going to a frozen yogurt joint thinking that these are real diet options, right? It's like those people who, hey man, I only drink, I, I might drink five, three sodas a day, but they all diet. Come on, man. Come on, Demi Lovato. Just go there, get your yogurt, get the fuck out. Who the fuck is shaming you? Who's sitting there saying there's not a bunch of high school girls chilling in a frozen yogurt spot that's sitting there like, oh, she got her nerves. Look at her getting the diet option options, getting the diet gummy bears, putting that diet, those those cheap ass, fake ass Oreo that came from Trader Joe's that's crumbled up on her frozen yogurt. They ain't not a group of high school girls there to shame you. Just get your yogurt and keep stepping, dude. Who the fuck cares what you get? Look, I know my boy Nick Money used to go. Remember back in the day when he was in high school, Jared, and I had to pay him in Yolo Berry coupons for free yogurt? This motherfucker would go in there every day over summer and get his free yogurt and pack it up to here. You think he was shamed? No. You're getting frozen yogurt. Nobody's shaming anybody in frozen yogurt. Trust me, my overweight ass, husky size husky ass was in there too getting frozen yogurt. I might even go in there and get about 10 free samples before I turn around and fuck around and get my yogurt. And she over there, we're talking about people shaming her. You know what? That sounds like a, a you problem, Demi. There's a lot of people that take you problems and try to make it everybody problems. Like, no, man, you, if, if you are comfortable, then just stay out the yogurt shop. Go, go, you know what? Go get some Chobani from the grocery store and put it in your freezer. 
Aaron, Aaron show up to the yogurt shop. Ooh, they got diet options. Don't give a fuck. He talk about like nigga here now. <laughs> exactly. That's how I step into the. Yeah, I'm here now. So <laughs> best believe. Pedro. Pedro, do you have a cutty corner shout out? So my cutty corner shout out goes out to addiction. Um, as we're talking about DMX, as we're talking about. Um, people losing their life to uh, or doing drugs or doing too many drugs. It's an addiction when it's hurting everybody else. And what we don't do is seek therapy um, when we're addicted to something, whether it be sugar, food, marijuana, extra marijuana, edibles, cocaine, PCP, uh, gambling. And part of my addiction, shout out, goes to gambling. And I know what y'all gonna say, oh, he over here talking about his old lady. No, the addiction of trying to bet the spread. Everybody's trying <laughs> to figure out who's playing tonight. Everybody's trying to figure out, oh, damn, uh, he ain't batting today. Uh, oh, shit, I, didn't, I think I lost like $600. And I'm like, man, everything is turned to capitalism in gambling, in playing with money, in Bitcoin. This addiction of loving the game of chance has gotten to a point where it's, it's kind of making me not like, it's hard to find something to listen to. I can't listen to sports because I feel like it's tainted all the time. And you know, Sports Center, you know what they led with? Instead of being, uh, being a rivalry, they were talking about the chances and spreads on a fucking baseball game. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, in baseball, I, I've seen sauce pitches go out and have a no-hitter, so you never know what's going to happen uh, in a baseball game. And the thing they led with was, oh, what a great rivalry. You got all these all the, uh, San Diego's, like, little brother and this and that, and that and this. The spread was, and somebody said the spread in the middle of the, of, of the beginning of the, um, I guess, the highlight. And I almost threw my, threw my shoe at my TV. Especially coming off a week when my old lady decides she want to come in for gambling six in the morning. So I'm already on. I'm about to beat my wife mode. <laughs> and it, it is, it's it's it, it, it sets me like I'm like it, the addiction is, is getting nuts. Y'all don't have pure love for nothing. This is why I conversate. I'm an advocate for regular sex. I, I do want people because to know. there's nothing there's nothing natural about watching sports anymore. Nothing. I do want people to know Pedro wouldn't really beat his wife because he did get upset one time when she did gamble a lot of money away and he didn't hit her dead and he would never oh. hit her. Thank you, Aaron. You don't have to explain it. Hey, if they want to cancel me, cancel me. Hey, I'm no, not pa afraid. Pedro don't get mad and beat his wife. He show up and say this. So somebody's going to have to give us some booty. Nah, he was mad. That, that sounded like rape, Jared. This is that. Uh, hey, Pedro, can I? <laughs> Pedro, can I? Can I say the quote that you told me when you found that out? Can I say the quote you? The quote, Pedro. He said, "I'd rather you cheat on me than to gamble away my money." Yeah, don't do both. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you asked. It goes out to the four Republican, uh, the four Republican senators that are in Tennessee. Uh, way back in March 15th, they 
voted against a bill that will take slavery out of their constitution. Remember, it's Joey Hensley, Janice Bowlings, Brian Kessley, and Frank Nicely. Uh, nothing nice about slavery. It's not even also like racist stuff, but just like on, so just like general human being, like being a good human being. Like, hey, slavery is there. Let's go ahead and take it out of the Constitution. Tennessee, I don't know your rules. I don't know your laws. I will probably not go there anytime soon within the next five years. Uh, because if I run a red light, that's slavery. If I make an illegal U-turn, that's slavery. If I uh, jaywalk, I love to jaywalk. That's slavery. Like, what do you have to process through your head that slavery is still a good thing? And it's not even just like slavery. They made it sound like it was like indentured servitude. Like, hey, you're only a slave for this amount of time, so it makes it good. Like, hey, slave for any amount of time is bad. My Cutty Corner shout out goes out to the Oakland A's. I shouted them out last week for being mediocre and terrible and having players that I don't care to see or players that have ceilings that are too mediocre. But my Cutty Corner shout out this week goes out to them for trying to make me look bad by winning nine of the last 10 games. <laughs> Fuck y'all. Y'all better keep playing the way I know y'all to play. Mediocre. Otherwise, y'all gonna do this again. You can get me built up, get everyone all hyped up. Be like, see, Jerry, see, Jerry, see, you just hate on them for no reason. See, they actually got some skill. Watch this. They're gonna make the playoffs and they're gonna lose. My second Cutty Corner shout out goes out to Ben Askren. Ben Askren last night fought Jake Paul, the YouTube sensation, in a boxing match. Do you guys want to see the fight? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Let's go ahead I and know. watch the fight. Here I know it it's is. A short fight. Here it go. Snoop Dogg, Mario Lopez, Al Bernstein, wow. Pete Davidson. Why does that ring look so much smaller? Wow. Gentlemen, uh, how many commentators they had? He named about five people. Oh, no time and get to it and do it. Here we go. It's five people commentating this fight. Yeah. Ain't nobody hired, so we ain't filling out no applications. Ben this got is that, not a uh, fill out. Ben got that Vince Vaughn body. <laughs> exactly. Vince Vaughn body. Nice overhead, nice overhead right. Ben Asker's built like a bag of milk, but <laughs> yeah. he's got that country strength. Freddie Rose got no country that Ben Askren does have deceptive power. Jake Paul being a lot more disciplined than I thought. Yeah, that's yeah, the style the fighters used to use in the 1930s. He's about to change that shit up. Oh, there's a left hook on the top of the head by Paul. Bang. Shit, shot dude. to the body, body. shot to them. Red. Bang. Right to the motherfucking dude, head. He's a fucking bad boy, dude. He is. Jake, get out. I try to tell you. Bad boy. You think I'm going to put $2 million on the motherfucking goofball? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, Jake Paul sparred with former world champion Jean Pascal. And get my money, Bruce Jake. Get my motherfucking oh. money, Jake. Oh. Oh. Get my Did Snoop Dogg had to bet twenty million to get two million? I mean, what, what was, no, I where's the he, odds of that one? Ask Minty Betts. I think he bet uh, Dana White two million. He's like, Dana White came out and said, "I'll put a million dollars that he doesn't win this fight." And then Snoop Dogg came out and said, "I'll put two million on it. And you got a deal." So he put two million dollars on him. But uh, I got a couple cut corner shout outs from this fight. Number one, Jake Paul. 
you celebrated like you won the world title and then you fell to the ground and started fake crying like you done something like you accomplished something that was so <laughs> difficult. <laughs> now Jake Paul, now, I'm gonna give you credit. You look like you got better hands than this guy who was a wrestler that wrestled in MMA. He was an MMA fighter that wrestled his whole time he rest that whole time he fought. He just wrestled. Dana White would not sign him for years because all he would do is grab you and then take you to the ground and not let you up. So you beat up a wrestler who can't throw hands. Good job. I give you credit. But don't fake cry like you accomplished something. Secondarily, Pete Davidson, I don't need to hear about you screaming, I feel like I'm going to come right as the fight's starting. You are creepy, weird, and stupid sometimes. I really don't get it. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, Pete Davidson, bro, you do too much. And this is this is one of those things where, like, people are like, he's really awkward looking and he's kind of cute, but he's kind of funny because he's just, like, unabashedly himself. No, he's a creepy, dumb motherfucker. Stop giving him all the good pussy he be getting because he's famous and he writes for SNL. He writes some weird, stupid shit half the time. And the other half the time, it's kind of funny. Only time only, only time when it is funny is when Dave Chappelle says he got nigga lips or he talking shit about himself. That's when it's funny. Otherwise, I don't need to hear you commentating a boxing match. Lastly, my cutting corner shout-out goes out to Ben Askren, who weighed 50 pounds more than – or uh, uh, 40 pounds more than his last fight in the UFC. That motherfucker was fat and out of shape. He was at his natural weight, just walking around as though he had done no training. And then literally showed that he had no training on how to box or throw hands at all after fighting in MMA for over 10 years. This motherfucker has no ability to deal with somebody throwing hands at you. So Ben Askren, you ain't shit. You got knocked out. But at the same time, I get you, man. You made your money. You made more money in this fight than you'll make in most fights in the UFC. So I get it. You made your money, but you still ain't shit for getting knocked out. You, you ruined part of the MMA culture. You hurt the culture, but I kind of like it because you know what? Now we might get another MMA fighter who might be a little bit better with the hands to step up and fight this motherfucker. And we can see a real fight between somebody who could throw hands and Jake Paul. And then maybe we'll see Jake Paul get knocked out. That's what I'm, I'm trying to get to that. He keep fighting garbage cans. He over here training with the Houston Astros. I don't need to see him training with Houston Astros <laughs> circa 2018. I need to see him fighting some real motherfuckers and some real killers. And then I see what happens. I'll watch that. I would love to see him fight, you know what I'm saying, Cody Garbrandt, who's probably 30 or 40 pounds lighter than him, but could throw hands a little bit. I'd love to see him fight Mystic Mac. You know what I'm saying? That would be fun to watch. We, we, Regardless of what, it's all terrible. But at the same time, seeing one of these motherfuckers get knocked out would make me feel very, very happy. So, Cutty Corner shout-out goes out to the whole Triller thing. Shout-out to Triller sponsorship, but goes out to the whole Triller thing. This shit is whack, but it's also kind of amazing. Let's get a real UFC fighter in this bitch, and let's get a real fight. I'm down for that shit. I will not pay for it. I will bootleg it, but I will watch it again. That is our show, my friends. That is our show. Any final words you guys like to say to our fans before we sign off? Uh, yeah, shout out to uh, Mickey Guyton, first black woman to host the Country Music Awards tonight. Keegan, any final words? Shout out to Brunch. I will always forever love you. Yes. Will do. Jerry be missing out, dude. He don't wake up. Yeah. Jerry, yes. you want to come to Brunch with us one time? <laughs> Me and you, we could go to Brunch. He ain't going to make it. <laughs> I'll bring Brunch to your house. <laughs> and where's the mortal uh, Magic Johnson? I'm not gonna be here. <laughs> I thought you. I thought you were gonna say in the word in the words of the mortal trick daddy, yellow man. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, um, Piedro, any final words? Yeah, everybody. I don't. Um, I don't beat my wife. That was a joke. The show. I just look at her real stern. <laughs> As she's yelling at him. As she's yelling at him. Right here and see. 
<laughs> Pedro wife <laughs> turned to him when he started yelling at him and she was like, nobody punking nobody here. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, all right. Well, thank you for listening to our show. Uh, stay healthy, stay blessed. Um, shout out to uh, Ireland, uh, our listeners out there, Portland, Maryland. Uh, I think we got somebody in Pennsylvania now, Florida, New Orleans. Shout out to our Jungle Ball representatives out there. Keep balling out there, our baseball league out there. We're going to check in with them next week. Um, and uh, Texas, Arizona, that's probably Pedro mainly. But uh, And everyone else uh, tapping in with us. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com backslash highscore510. And listen to our game of Crackhead coon or colonizer with og pen from last week it's a doozy and find out who won that game aside from that we will leave you with this if a black player would have been given and then another player would have created problems within the team separation and division ezekiel 1820 the righteousness of the right should be upon him the son shall not suffer for the crime of the father, nor the father suffer the crime of the son, unless either the father or son knows beforehand the father or son was a criminal. To help any race, provide them with a good quality education and help incentivize through opportunities with responsibilities, which helps generations in the future. If reparation is a free, is a fee, Correction for a terrible sin of slave owners, government, and others, but we punish the non guilty party. If it, if, is it not creating division or separation with different races? I feel it continues to let us know we're still African American rather than just American. I'm, I'm getting to the point, Gerald, when I'm, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be okay with segregation. <laughs> Come on. But you're going to try to segregate yourself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, this will, this will, this will, uh, you know somebody wrote that for him. I'm telling you, Stephen Miller probably wrote that for him. He's over there. You might as well have had Tyrese reading it for him. It says, Hot slack, 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 smoke, beer, zack, That was perfect. That was perfect. kept saying, black, black. <laughs>
He might have stepped away from his mic, which could be a good thing on this conversation. <laughs> so, Armin, we're hitting we're hitting you with a hard hitting oh, question. Okay. Hard hitting question. Um, how much would it, would it take for somebody to grow uh, an extra organ on your on your arm if you were growing an organ for somebody else on your body for somebody else for one year? How much one would year? It how much would you? No, no amount of money. No. And that's what I'm saying. Armin, Armin wouldn't sell himself out. You wouldn't believe how low Jared's price was, Armin. Ten dollars? No, no, his price was one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But oh. here's a crazy thing, I mean, it was a dick. <laughs> so like, I was like, me, I, yeah, I'm like, man, that price is gonna be absorbent. Where it basically not gonna happen. Like <laughs> you, you'll have a better job growing. You know how many? You know how many bitches on on the IG and and the in the Meet Me app will want to come actually meet me because uh, I got a dick. I can get on TikTok, become in TikTok famous. I monetize myself. Yeah, like you probably you probably on like OnlyFans or something. Yeah, I get an OnlyFans. I can just sit there and just jack off my forearm and make money. Oh God! Jerry. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna ask me how much it would cost for me to actually use one of the one of the harvested organs, but because that would also be a problem. Ooh, that is a good question. How much would it cost? What and what if what if the person you pan to rent off your body to harvest an organ off of it? Like, what if they uh, they don't take care of that organ the whole time? See. Yeah. Like Pedro's pancreas. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't pay the hundred and fifty dollars, and you still got diabetes. That's yeah, like, like man, exactly. I paid him. All he had to do was just drink water and no soda for a year. <laughs> gave me back my pancreas back. It was in worse shape. <laughs> Wait, did you say diet Dr Pepper or regular Dr Pepper? <laughs> pancreas secreting secreting splendor. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> hey, did you see that Instagram post I put up on y'all? <laughs> didn't that might be a good thing <laughs> i put up an instagram story talking shit about pedro and his uh and his ways when you go out to the nightclubs you gotta watch out for him anyways uh, i didn't see it well, reference you it. it's on the it's on the high score instagram story oh well, he it, got, talk, it talks about you too aaron you gonna slip some insulin into a woman's drink when she's not looking <laughs> I hope it's someone is squirting some insulin in the head. Yeah, that's say you got it the wrong way now. If you gonna put the date rate drugs, please put insulin in with it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way I'm gonna live through that. 